I want to thank Ted for uh, sharing with us last week. Um, it was a, a good a week for, for me and Laura and Hope to be in Tucson. Uh, we went to the Amputee Coalition's National Conference, um, and that is a, 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 the biggest gathering of amputees uh, in the country. Annually, they come together. There are about 900, 1,000 people there. Um, Hope was one of the youngest, and she was a rock star. Uh, she was uh, quite popular throughout the week as, uh, as people uh, were stopping to stare at her, but in very different ways. Um, when you're in a group of people who are in the amputee world, uh, they were sharing stories. And, and the, 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 the jokes were you know, being able to show one another's uh, prosthetics and be able to share uh, what, what part do you have missing? What, what part do you have that's metal? Um, and people would just throw themselves on the ground in front of her and just let them play with, with their prosthetic as they would check out her prosthetic. And so, so it was a really sweet opportunity. So, so we appreciate the, the chance to be able to go and do that and uh, spend some time uh, in that community. Uh, and it is a family there uh, of people who are going through that journey together. Um, also, this last week, uh, we've been having air conditioning problems. Um, I thought it was limited to the kids' classrooms, but apparently it's um, in here as well as we're all waving ourselves, uh, trying to cool off. It's just not keeping up when it's 100 degrees outside. Um, so it is a little bit warm in here. Um, but it is warmer down there and they are sweaty kids, so you've got it good in here. Like, this is the place to be. Um, so they're, they're a little toasty. Um, today um, happens to be my fifth year anniversary um, preaching here. My first summer, or my first sermon... So my first sermon was July 21st, 2013. Laura and uh, I think it was me and Laura and Clara flew out uh, for the weekend, uh, got to look at the house that we were going to be moving into and make our orders for paint color changes and things like that, and, uh, be, and uh, got to preach that Sunday. And then we flew back to, to Albuquerque, or back to Dallas to get everything uh, organized to be able to move here uh, in the weeks to follow and got here in August. Um, and a lot has changed since then, uh, the, not the least of which is we have two more kids. And... Uh, uh, but, but looking at getting everybody settled that summer, we had Clara starting, starting preschool with Mrs. Reinert, and we had uh, Elena starting eighth grade at ACS, and uh, we were uh, sending Bonnie off to college uh, to go to UNT, and so it was a big year of transitions. Um, today is also the 200th sermon that I have done here, um, and so I, I don't know if that's an applause or not. Don't, don't applause that, but that's, that's a, as I was going through that, that's a lot of sermons. Um, how many of you remember all 200 of those, please? Um, we've got a couple in the back. Good job. Awesome. All right, so 200 sermons in, and so, so as I was reflecting on that this week, I decided to spend our time and go all the way back to, to my beginning here, and, and do a repeat of my first sermon. Um, because as I was looking back through that and, and looking at that message, I feel like it is so applicable today, as, just as applicable today as it was, was then. 
And I think it's some good reminders and some good important things for us to consider this summer as we head on into the fall, as we're, we're starting things like this, this new Wednesday night program for kids, as we're getting more and more go activities into our neighborhood, as we are selling this building and moving into a new building. I mean, there's a lot coming up this next year. Uh, the, the calendar is crazy. Um, and, and so as we get ready for this new year and the things that are on the horizon, what do we need to remember? What do we need to, to focus in on? And so the first message was, follow me. And we're going to, to continue on in that, uh, in that direction. We'll be in uh, John chapter 1, if you want to start turning there. So that first Sunday, I talked about Twitter and how Twitter is this social media thing that, that allows people to follow the ideas, follow the, the things that they're passionate about. It's, it, they, they describe it as the fastest, simplest way to stay close to everything that they care about. So you can follow somebody on Twitter, and it gives you information, gives insight, gives, gives messages into their stories. Of course, one of the things that Donald Trump has, has been able to leverage more than any politician before him is his use of Twitter. Now, how that use of Twitter uh, all works together, I don't know, but he leverages that use of Twitter uh, in, in, a, in a very profound, powerful way. It gives these messages out. And so five years ago, the, 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 the largest uh, follower base for Twitter was Justin Bieber. Uh, but now Justin Bieber has dropped to only second place, and Katy Perry is now at the top of the list. Um, the top ten list includes six performers, musicians, one comedian, uh, one former president is still in the top ten, um, one international athlete, and a, another social media platform, YouTube. You can follow YouTube on Twitter. I, I, I don't understand. Anyway. But, but this and other social media platforms have in common uh, this definition of following, where if you want to follow somebody, you just click on the follow button. And if you want to unfollow somebody, you just click on the unfollow button. And if you want to follow somebody but just ignore them, you can just ignore them. You don't even have to listen to the chatter and the things that are going along the way. Of course, there are other social media platforms. Facebook still ranks at the top of, of usage there, and Instagram now beats Twitter as a platform. But each of them allows us to quickly follow somebody with no risk, no challenge, uh, no effort, no cost. We can choose how much of the information we want to pay attention to. We can f filter out the rest. And so as you look at what it means to follow somebody on social media, it really tends to, to erode away this word follow. Because we're called to follow Jesus. What does that mean? It does not mean click like. It does not mean click follow. It does not mean ignore. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And so we're going to look at John chapter 1 again as we look at what it means to follow Jesus. Because following Jesus is not a one-time decision, it's a daily decision. And so many things over the last five years, I'm sure, have distracted us from following Jesus. Each day we, we deal with things that are, are steering us away from what it means to follow Jesus. We're all in different places, different stages of that walk, and we all trip and fall, and we pick ourselves back up and continue on. 
So I'm going to read through John chapter 1, starting in verse 19, and I want you to, to engage in the story. It won't be on the screen because it's going to be a long passage. I like, I like reading long stories because it's, it, it gives us this picture of John the Baptist, who John the Baptist is, and who John the Baptist is pointing to. So get yourself into the story and, who, and, and fi- find somebody to, to relate to, some, some character. Place yourself there. What are the sights, the sounds? What do you experience? as you are here in this story. So let's begin, verse 19. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I'm not the Messiah. And they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? No, not Elijah. Are you the prophet? No. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And so John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now the Pharisees who who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you were not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophets? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you, among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. All this happened in Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where, where John was baptizing. Now we have our next segments. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant. This is the one that I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself do not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man, to whom you see, uh, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down on and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I have testified that this is God's chosen one. Scene three. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and following asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. And so they went to stay, went and saw where he was staying, and, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, the Christ. And he brought him, he brought his brother to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. 
This is episode four. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Now Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael acts a little differently. He says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And Philip responds, come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael said. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. I saw you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus responds, You believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You're going to see greater things than that. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. All right, so here we have these four episodes, these people who are coming and encountering Jesus for the first time. We start off with with John the Baptist, who is saying, I'm not the Messiah, but one is coming who is. And then they come and they encounter him, and they see who he is. And so there, there, there are four segments here that we, that we kind of jump through. The first is, is John the Baptist, who is saying, I am nothing special. This is not about me. This is not, not who I am. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. All he is is a voice. He is a tool of, of, of God's hand pointing onto the horizon. That's it, just a voice. Just saying, here comes someone to pay attention to. And he's calling people into this new relationship with Jesus. This one that they're going to encounter, he's calling them into to right relationship. To clear out the obstacles that are getting in the way. To to clear out the things that are hindering their relationship with God. And saying, this is the one that you were called to. John the Baptist is really this trailer for the blockbuster movie. Not the movie himself, but he is the trailer for the movie pointing to Jesus. In the second episode, we have John the Baptist identifying who Jesus is and and make sure everyone knows who he is. He says, look, look, the Lamb of God. This is the one that we've been waiting for. And when he describes him as the Lamb of God, they're going to hear this this sacrificial reference. And so they will have these these ideas of memorials of deliverance. They're going to have this idea of forgiveness of sin, this, this idea of messianic salvation. Jesus is the gift that is provided by God to take away sin. He is the Lamb of God. And, and part of identifying who Jesus is, is giving an account of Jesus' baptism. Because this is what gives Jesus credibility. It identifies where he comes from. 
And so John the Baptist gives the story of how he saw the Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove, how that Spirit remained on him, and, and how it was anointing him as the Messiah. So John testifies that, that, it, it, that Jesus is indeed God's chosen one. And it's with great humility that John the Baptist deflects all glory, all recognition, all honor away from himself and draws the attention totally to who Jesus is. This is Jesus. Then we have our third episode where John the Baptist points two of his own disciples away from him and they hear John's testimony and they follow in the direction of Jesus. They respond and they follow. They're interested in spending time in him. They say, where are you staying? Who are you? What are you all about? And they follow him, and they spend time with him. Jesus responds to them, come and you will see. Spend time with me and you will get to know me. You will understand who I am and what I'm about. And then our fourth episode, Jesus finds Philip and says, follow me. Follow me and be a part of what's going on here. So he does. He goes and drops everything. He goes and finds his buddy Nathaniel and says, Guess who I found? I have found Jesus. I've encountered Jesus. Come and check him out. Uh, who, can, who, who can be from Nazareth? Jesus is not going to be from Nazareth. The Christ is not going to be from Nazareth. But he says, Come and see. Follow. And so Nathaniel is this interesting character here because he does not immediately believe. There's this skepticism in him, a skepticism that I think many of us can relate to, where we see who Jesus is, but we don't necessarily immediately respond. We may be a little cynical, a little skeptical, a little burned by people in the past that don't reflect to Jesus very well. But he comes to Jesus anyway. And Jesus knows him. And Jesus sees him. And he follows. He follows regardless of his doubts. He's only at the beginning of his journey of faith. But he takes steps toward Jesus regardless. So we see these four episodes and see, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does, it, what does it mean to be a Christ follower? It's not like Twitter, where you simply click follow. It's not social media, where you click block. It is not where you just skim through and troll through and see the highlights. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And the first one is, we realize it's not about me. For John, it was not about him, and for us, it is not about me. John the Baptist was quick to, reflect, to, to deflect any attention away from himself. 
And so the quicker that we can realize that it's not about me, the easier it is for us to point people to Jesus. Because it's not pointing people towards our intellect. It's not pointing people to, to, to our understanding of Scripture. It's not pointing people to our, to our ability to teach, our ability to speak. It's not pointing people to this particular church or our way of doing things or a certain denomination or a certain tribe or group of people. It's about pointing people to Jesus. And so can we point people to Jesus? It applies to each of us as individuals. It applies to us as a church. Are we pointing people to a program or are we pointing people to Jesus? The second thing is we've, we've got to realize or we've got to understand who Jesus is, recognizing who Jesus is. And so as, as, as John is pointing people away from himself, he's identifying who Jesus is. Last summer in our reboot series, we talked about who Jesus is and the importance of answering that question, the ability to answer the question, who is Jesus? What we believe about Jesus defines everything about how we live and act. Because if we believe that Jesus is docile and weak, if we believe that Jesus is absent, if we believe Jesus is fake, if we believe Jesus isn't really who he said he was, then our lives are going to reflect that. But if we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, how radically different would our lives be? And so we have these core beliefs about what we think about God and what we think about Jesus and what we think about the Spirit and how they work together. And I want to ask, what do you really believe about those? Because our lives will reflect what we really believe about Jesus. People who encounter Jesus, they follow him, and they get to know him, and they know what he is called. Just in this passage, he's called the Messiah, the prophet, Jesus, the Lamb of God, the one who baptizes with the Spirit. He's called the chosen Son of God, the rabbi, the teacher, the Christ, the anointed one, son of Joseph, a Nazarene, a son of God, a king of Israel, a son of man. Just in this passage, these are the names of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Because the answer to that question shapes everything about us. Now as people who are a part of the church, not Montgomery, but the church, we have this special role to play. This special place. Because the God-ordained avenue for for Jesus to continue on is the church. And so as the church, we are called the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, people are encountering Christ through us. And so who are we as a church? When we invite someone to church, when someone joins with us and participates with us, we are inviting them not to an assembly. We are inviting them to encounter Jesus. They encounter the body. They encounter Jesus. Friday night, we had a group of, of people over at our house for a game night. Nothing spectacular, nothing exciting. It was pizza and salad and games. And it was mostly people from our small group that were there. And uh, Laura, a couple weeks ago, um, was standing in line at Cliffs with our girls, waiting for a ride. 
and started talking to the lady next to her who had two kids as well. And they got to talking and realized that they had just moved to Albuquerque five days prior. Still living in a hotel, hadn't settled, military family, uh, just adjusting into to moving into this new town. They decided to go check out Cliffs. And Laura is now having this conversation and says, do you want to have lunch? Do you want to come over to my house for a play date? And so they get together for a play date and it goes well. And then she says, do you want to come over for dinner? And they come over for dinner to this game night. And it's a great time. We invite people into our lives to experience Jesus. And we don't know where that relationship will go, and we don't know how it will end, and we don't know what journey we will be on, but, but by being with this group of friends in our home, sharing pizza and salad and playing games, they experience a little bit about who Jesus is. When people encounter his body, they understand who Jesus is. And so who are we reflecting as we gather together. Third, we respond and we follow him. We see who Jesus is, and if we believe that this is who Jesus is, then we need to be changing something about our lives. We, we take these steps of faith moving toward Jesus. We take steps toward him. Like Nathaniel, he, he didn't have it all figured out. He still had his doubts, but he took these steps forward. And like I said earlier, following Jesus is not this one-time decision. It is a day-by-day, sometimes hour-by-hour, or minute-by-minute decision. We're all in a different spot, and we take a step toward him. And we trip, and we fall, and we stumble, and we step up, and we brush ourselves off, and we take another step forward, and take another step, and take another step, each day taking another step toward Jesus. Step by step by step, closer and closer to where he is. And then fourth, we join in with his mission. We, we become a part of what we talked about a few weeks ago, the ministry of reconciliation, part of connecting people with God through Jesus. That because of what we've received through Jesus, we now have this responsibility to help people connect that as well. To be people who make disciples. People who introduce people to Jesus. And so John the Baptist points his disciples to Jesus. Andrew goes to his brother and points him to Jesus. Philip and invites Nathaniel and points him to Jesus. And so people who are following Jesus are bringing others to meet Jesus. They're not bringing him to some place or some time or event. They're bringing them to Jesus. And so as we look at the story of John the Baptist, we see this model for discipleship. As we are a church on this journey together where we are trying to make disciples of Jesus Christ who love God and love others, it's a calling for all of us. It's a calling first to take steps toward Jesus, to respond to his call on our lives. And as we take those steps toward Jesus, following him, we invite others to join with us. Come and follow. And so as we wrap up our time this morning, 
you each have an index card. And not all 200 times, but most, 200, most of those 200 times, I've asked the question, what is God saying to you? How is he speaking to you? What message do you hear from him? As followers of Jesus, we have ears to listen, and sometimes we listen and then ignore. And so the second question is just as important. What are you going to do about it? What step do you need to take in faith? What step do you need to take as you answer the call? What are you going to do about it? How can we be obedient? And so take that card and spend some time now in prayer asking, what are you saying to me? And so jot down on on the front side of that card an answer to that question. What are you saying to me? And then what is it that you feel God, uh, or what is it that you you are going to do about it? What, What obedience step can you take? What step toward Jesus can you take? So on one side of the card, answer those two questions. I'm going to pause for a moment for you to do that now. And we have extra cards if you need one. You can raise your hand if you still need a card. So you can continue writing there if you need to, but what, are you, what is God saying to you? What are you going to do about it? And then flip the card over on the back side of that. When we walk towards something, we have to walk away from something else. And there are things that, that get in the way of us being obedient. The, the disciples had to walk away from career, family, friends to answer the call to follow Jesus. What is it that we need to step away from? It could be our comfort zone. It could be a certain habit. It could be a certain, um, certain relationship. It could be different things in our lives that get in the way of us being obedient. The way we manage our time, the things that we have as hobbies, the things that we prioritize, the things that we watch and listen to. What are the things that we need to walk away from? to be able to take those steps toward Jesus. And so write that on the back. And so you can continue to work, work on those cards. And, and for our time of prayer, what we're going to do is we're, we've got this net that's set up here. And we had this net here five years ago. As we think about what it means to, to leave behind things for the sake of the call to follow Jesus. And so during our prayer time, the praise team is going to sing, and, and, and you're welcome to, to pray with one of the shepherds or pray together as small group leaders. But during that prayer time, if you feel led, I really would, would invite you to come and bring that card to this net. Maybe kind of roll it up and stick it in the little, little parts of the net or just, just lay them on top. But, but as, an, as a physical act of prayer, as a physical act of confession, what is it that you're walking away from so that you can answer the call to follow Jesus? And so we would love for you to, to participate in that um, as somebody's gone through the back door. Um, the alarm's going off back there. So as, as we continue on in this time of prayer, let's, let's spend some time here as we confessionally spend, um, I'm just distracted now by the, the alarm. There's a big red sign that says, do not exit. And somebody exited, so they're walking away. Um, <laughs> all right, let's be standing together. I'll try to recover this a little bit. 
Let's be standing. So what is God saying to you? What are you going to do about it? And what do you need to turn away from? So I want to invite you to come forward and, and, and we'll pray together over that. God, thank you so much for, for your message. Thank you for speaking to us and for loving us and for, for calling us into relationship with you. God, I pray that we will be obedient uh, to the things that you're calling us into, that we will take steps of faith towards you that we will answer the call to follow you. And so, God, for the things that get in the way and the things that, that, that distract us, God, we, we surrender those now, and we pray that you will take those so that we can continue to make steps in the right direction. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.